to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses, and this podcast is just us chatting every week about the reality of anything and everything property. Now, we are going to try to talk about at least two, two things that have been happening in your property business recently, Stuart. So, so that's setting us up to try and make sure that we don't spend too long talking about the first one. <laughs> but that first one is that you're buying a property and you're buying it in a slightly unusual structure, aren't you? So do you want to give us some background and then go into to what's unusual about it? Yeah. So as a refresher, this is a property that we are buying direct with the homeowner. So often talked about as direct to vendor in property circles. And this came about because I've been liaising with the property owner for well, pretty much two years now, and was going to take on the property as a rent-to-rent property. The, the owner then decided that they would like to to sell it. And after reviewing the property, I obviously threw my hat in the ring, negotiated a, a good price with her, I mean, for her. It was essentially the price that they wanted, but without the estate agency fees. So We've got a price that we're both happy with, and I think it's a it's, it's the market price. And to do that, we've instructed our solicitors. The only provisor that we stroke my business partner on this one and I wanted to have was that we wanted to be able to start doing works on the property fairly quickly, meaning that we would want to have a document in place called a keys undertaking, which is a legal document which essentially says that we. We get those keys. Other people can call it a delayed completion as well because it looks like a you know an exchange document. However, there's, there's kind of a, kind of vagaries in there. However, what it means is that we once we sign this keys undertaking document, we essentially take on the rights to that building, i.e., we need to get it insured. If anything happens, we are liable for it, as in, you know, if, if something gets broken. And you know, we cover the utility costs, that kind of thing. For taking on that liability, what we get is the chance to do the works that we want to it rather than waiting the three, four months, ha, 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 conveyancing process time before we start. We actually get on with it now, do the conveyancing concurrently, and then hopefully once the conveyancing is, is drawing to its completion, we have a, a property which is close to or as good as ready as we want it to, which we can put out into the market and get, get rented ASAP. So that's kind of what we do. We're actually at the stage at the moment where we've created the keys undertaking document, and that is essentially a document created by our solicitor. And the only addition to it is where I create a schedule of works that is put into that document and essentially outlines everything that we're going to do to the property. All so far, so good. The, the owner is happy. The only thing that's bouncing around now that's come out is that the owner's solicitor is saying nothing structural can happen in the building. So I've reviewed the schedule of works and it kind of just says we're going to put up a hanger here. We're going to replaster all of the walls there. It does mention showers, but the solicitor, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where the solicitor saying, well, you can't do any structural work. So I've reviewed it and I don't I don't see that it says we're doing anything structural because be interested to hear your thoughts, but structural is are we 
doing something to a load-bearing wall? Are we doing something externally? I've messaged with the owner to say, you know, are you happy with the, everything we put in it? And they've said, yeah, it's all fine. So there's obviously a bit of miscommunication somewhere. So I've been back to my solicitor and just said, look, we, we, I don't think there is anything structural in that document, but if someone does, then, then we need to know. And essentially, it's come back again that the, the solicitor is saying it, the owner solicitor, but the owner themselves has not mentioned anything. So I suppose that's the only challenge with these situations is somewhere, sometimes you get the, you kind of get these miscommunications where I just need to pick up the phone to the owner and say, look, this is what the document is. Are you happy with it? Because it's quite rightly the solicitor, their solicitor is trying to protect their interests and just making sure, which is absolutely as it should be. I, I suspect the solicitor is just being proactive and checking these details and probably hasn't even talked to the actual vendor to, to clarify the details. I mean, I know from my own past buying experiences when I, I've been the buyer and my solicitor, very helpfully, I think, in, in these situations, has sent me through documentation sort of at some later stage in the process and not only has it got all of the, the information, the initial information from the sellers, it's then got a whole heap of extra information that's come from her follow-up questions, or so from her questions, and then sometimes follow-up questions beyond that. So they obviously do a whole heap of stuff proactively. And I didn't hear anything in this process. It was only when I got all the documentation at the end with all of these questions already answered. And I suspect it, it could well be that that kind of thing. Again, if you're getting different signals from the actual vendor they, they the solicitor probably just hasn't checked with them at all hmm. to answer your question about structural though you you mentioned showers and i think from past discussions you mentioned the idea of putting in en suites so is is that are, are you building walls are you making new new rooms yeah so we're putting up stud walls that's the key thing i mean as i say i think yes you you could probably argue it either way but I guess for me, most most of it's aesthetic without going into all of the detail. But if, if you're putting in en suites, of course, you're going to put in soil pipes and additional water pipes, etc. So, Okay, so I had a follow-up question. So you are building walls. So my next question is, are you knocking down any walls? No, not as far as I'm aware. Okay, so, so I, I would think then... If you'd said yes to knocking down walls, then I, I even sort of internal walls, then I would have probably put that in the structural. Mm, I would agree with you, yeah. Seeing as you're not knocking down any walls and you're only creating, obviously, non-load-bearing walls because that's all you can add at this point, then, then I, think you, I think you're probably on the fence. And as you say, different people would probably have different opinions of it. I don't think, I don't think you have to be in the structural camp for that sort of work. But I could see how some people might interpret it that way. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think you, you probably just need to, to clarify some communications. Yeah, and I, and I completely agree. And that's what I thought, because, yeah, obviously not everyone is well-versed in property development and internals, and that's perfectly acceptable. So I think it's just that conversation. And uh, the only thing I should also just add to the, the keys undertaking is that we do have, don't have to, but we did agree a fee also with the vendor for being able to do that and that fee comes off the purchase price so it's it's kind of just a way of saying look we're serious 
it's it's a situation that I think if you, if someone isn't aware of it, it can feel like someone trying to put something on someone else. It, but my experience of these all of these things and in business is that these things serve both parties. So in, in this situation, and I guess I'm just sharing this for other people's benefit, is because I've been in, in rooms before where, where I've said, oh, yeah, I took on a, a property six months before we completed. And the people in the room were like, why on earth would someone let you do that and go and do things in their house before you completed? And my response was, well, because, because it was a legal document, number one, and also when we talk about it, I, I put forward the case that this legal document means that we are very committed to buying your property. So we're not, we're not fannying about. Also, we'll agree this fee that I'm talking about, which demonstrates that we're not here to muck around. Because I think there is obviously in many industries, but in property, we do get quite a few people that, that give us a bad name. But for me, there's also that element of A, it's a legal document, but B, we'll agree a fee which demonstrates the seriousness of it because we're talking about four figures at least sometimes five to say look we'll also transfer these funds to you which which come off the purchase price and would be non-refundable so we're not we're not screwing around yeah it's, it's a bit like an early deposit in the same way as you, you you have a deposit that happens with exchange so it's, it's a similar kind of concept i can see that makes sense and in terms of the the sort of commitment benefit from the seller not not only are you giving them this this fee or deposit early on, as you say, you're putting in the effort to create this extra agreement, and then you're actually going in and doing work to the property as well. And in, in this current market where lots of properties are actually falling through, or lots of property sales, should I say, are, are falling through, especially around sort of finance issues and things like that, I, I think from a vendor's point of view, having that extra commitment means that you you are going to really work hard to make sure that this sale actually completes because you're not going to want to throw away that deposit and throw away all your your contractor time going in and, and building on suites and things. So even if your, your mortgage turns out to be difficult or some other curveball comes out at, at, at the process, you're, you're going to work really hard to, to still make sure that it goes through. So yeah, I can definitely see the benefit from from the vendor's point of view, especially when you're not looking at a really long delayed completion of sort of six months or so, but you're you're looking at a more normal completion length, which these days might actually be six months. But anyway, you, you would hope it's less. So yeah. so, so yeah, they're they're not losing any time. That they're just getting extra commitment from you. Yeah, and I I, I do understand it, and you know the. there is there is cynicism around it because it feels like I said before, someone's trying to force something, but actually it works works in both respects and you've just 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 covered it off but we we you know we're not in the habit of you know spending money and to redevelop properties and worst case scenario in my opinion is oh we've we've done a bit of work to a property we've upgraded it a bit and you get left with it okay yeah some could argue you could just walk off site and, and leave it but but anyway that's not the case and and that's where we're at so that that's one of the situations that we're in at the moment and what it also means is that we are yeah, we, we're still working on the mortgage. Actually, we've got a number of different options that we can look at for how we finance this property because we could look at a almost like a bridging product which essentially gives us the funds to purchase it at its current value 
and then refinance very quickly at its future value because the future value we would hope would have increased by 25 30% by the time we finished it so that that increased value would happen quite quickly now my experience tells me that these things don't happen as quickly as you'd like so we need to review that but it also gives us the time to think about that rather than have to scrabble around and go right this is how we're going to do it we're just going to do a standard buy to let mortgage and then we'll wait 6 months and we'll refinance we're actually looking at all of our options. So it, it, it gives a few options. Yeah. I think, as you say, it's got benefits and values to, to both parties. So I think it, it can make sense and can help the process move forward, really, rather than anything else. However, something that's not been moving quite so smoothly forwards is a project you've been working on in Manchester. And you, you would think if you've got someone ready, committed, wanting to buy a property, it wouldn't really be that hard but your recent experiences suggest otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm working with a client at the moment, and I know that he does tend to listen to the podcasts, and so we, w- we won't give too much away, but he, I'm sure he will smile wryly if he listens to this around this conversation, because, yes, we are looking in the northwest stroke Manchester area for a property, and we are looking at HMO. And one of the challenges we've had in the last couple of months actually is just how hot the market is which surprised you and I a little bit because we have seen a cooling of the market certainly in our areas and certainly definitely yeah and certainly I've seen that happen a little bit in the southwest as well but our experience at the moment is that it is really hard I mean if we're finding a property online and Typically, we, we might be able to get a viewing now, but a lot of them are, are sold subject to contract very, very quickly. I, I mean, we've got a spreadsheet with at least 20, 25 properties that we were reviewing that have all gone into the SSTC, you know, sold subject to contract bucket because of just how quickly they're moving. And that combined with central Manchester areas being an Article 4 area under Article 4 direction, I should say. And obviously that, that adds a premium to, to HMO properties anyway. It just means that we're in a in what I've not seen before, which is, is, is such a tough environment with properties going up. And the client that I'm working with at the moment, so just working to, to support in terms of research, analysis, property viewing, and future ideas in terms of what we can do. The client has also purchased property in these in this area before as, as standard buy to lets, and we've seen properties that were bought not more than twelve months ago increase by twenty five percent in value in a year, and that that kind of encapsulates. And I know that that's not specific to this area because in the, the forums that I've looked at, you know, I've seen quite a few examples of that. So you're you're trying to buy in a hot market a still rising market and in a market where there seem to be lots of people looking both investor and residential and it, and it kind of makes you very nervous because what one of the 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 adages which which I use all the time certainly with myself but and with other people is that in property we always want to look for a motivated seller because that that gives us a good environment but we never want to become a motivated buyer that's the worst type of buyer to be because you, you make decisions which might not be right. You might not 
do a full due diligence, you might overpay. But in this type of market, it's very easy to become a motivated buyer because you've kind of got this frothy stuff going on around. And we've been in situations where, you know, we were looking at an HMO recently, and this is a, a very up-to-date story, but we were looking at an HMO recently. But it happened to be the pretty much the last one that was left of, of all of our lists. And, you know, the conversation we had was, you know, are we interested in this just because it's like, you know, it's the last, you know, thinking about lockdowns, is it the last tin of beans or the last pack of pasta on the shelf? Is that what's making it more appealing? However, the good thing in property is that we can always step back and look at the numbers unemotively. And, and the numbers still still worked on this property. So it just wasn't in the best area in our experience. And for me, it was, it was a real quandary because it was actually in a, in a lower socio-demographic area, but had really good transport links to central Manchester. And, and like most areas, could be up and coming. And, and obviously, I've, I've done a bit of driving and a bit of diligence around the area. And there's lots of new builds going up in within, I would say, within 200 metres circumference of that area. So there is investment going in, which, which, which pleased me. And, and I've kind of gone off, off track here a bit. But the, the, the reason I have is because this property I went to see, as of this recording, three days ago. So I got a viewing, took time because there were six existing tenants in the property. There's a little story to go with this, which, uh, which I can give you as well. We went to see this property. Now, my client and I hadn't fully discussed it. We've had a couple of conversations around it. It was definitely on the maybe pile, but we you know, just what I certainly didn't want, and I know he didn't want, but what I certainly didn't want is to, 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 to really put something forward that was the last property on the table. But as of the recording, about uh, 30 minutes before we started recording, I get an email from the agent saying that the property we'd looked at completed as of today so it's no longer on the market not not sold completed so we knew that that there was an existing buyer in play but apparently the legals had taken forever and um there was a bit of a problem with it so we felt that we could sort of snap in but uh yeah so the actual was i've been informed this morning that the purchase of the property with a previous buyer completed yesterday so i went to see a property that 48 hours later has actually completed so somebody else owns it today and i went to see it three days ago to buy well, I think that's probably the, uh, the the agent getting a bit bit fed up with the process and saying, "Right, if you're not going to buy it, then I'm going to put it back on the market." <laughs> and then, yeah. then the uh, the previous buyer says, "Ah, oh, okay, actually, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll buy it." <laughs> yeah, some some sneaky tactics going on there, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, and and obviously you get people viewing it, and you say, "Look, we've had yeah, a couple more people view it. They're interested. They've put an offer in, and we did actually, we did put an offer in on on the property." a couple of weeks back but we wanted to review the property again before we reviewed our offer but i think all of that shows you just how heated the market is in certainly in this area because i know that's not your feeling in the south and southeast no exactly i i think i, I think our local markets certainly where i'm looking so around red hill crawley gatwick that that sort of area has definitely been slowing and been slowing for weeks at least. The, the, the this is not to say that it has become a slow market. It is still quite a hot market. It is still moving quite quickly. 
but it is definitely moving less quickly than it was before. And I think this is reflected in both prices and reductions and time on market. So um, within Patma, you can sign up to weekly market emails, market stats emails on a specific area and also on a, a national level as well. And for us locally, well, I say us, <laughs> for the Red Hill area locally, things that those sort of indicators have been showing that it's been slowing. So there have been more price reductions coming through as a percentage of properties on the market. And new properties coming onto the market have not been coming on at increasing prices. They've been sort of holding steady. And the time that properties have been on the market before becoming sold has been gradually creeping up a little bit. But looking at the national level, all of these indicators are more pronounced. So the percentage of properties on the market that are being reduced each week has been going up faster nationally than in our local Red Hillish area. Similarly, prices of new properties coming into the market have not been increasing. They've been roughly holding steady at the national level as well. And the time that properties have been staying on the market at a national level has been increasing and has increased at a faster rate than our local market. So I was thinking that actually elsewhere in the country, to sort of create these national figures being more than our local figures, elsewhere, the effects must be happening faster and more significantly. So those markets must be slowing more. But it seems that there are actually other areas like Northeast, Manchester, etc., that are not slowing at all, really. So, yes, I, I need to dig into the numbers a bit more and try and work out where, where these areas are that are actually slowing so much in order to, to pull the national figures in that direction. Yeah. And um, for those that have listened this far, not only is the market hot, but obviously the weather's been hot. And so my, my little addendum for, for those that have listened this far is the, the, the viewing that we did for this property. I went with an agent they didn't seem probably as comfortable doing viewings in within HMOs as, as as I myself am, having done several, because uh, I, I seem to take the lead and on rapping on doors and just shouting out to let people know that we were in the building, that we'd be that we were coming into rooms. However, the agent did sort of gently tap on a door, one of the first ones, opened the door, put her head in slammed the door shut very quickly, turned around, pale as a ghost, and said, there is a naked, there is a naked man spread eagled on the bed. <laughs> and, uh, so Louder knocking definitely <laughs> required, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I think even after that, the, the tenant hadn't woken up. But, yeah, so I, I kind of just sort of said, you've you got to be very really loud, bang on doors, just shout. It's, it's just what they expect. If they've all been informed, you know, we're allowed to do it. So hot weather plus hot market equals interesting uh, interesting viewing situations, I think is the summary of, of this week. But uh, Yes, yes, interesting. That's, that's, that's a good word for it, yes. <laughs> 
one other element in your northern property search has been thinking about where the Article 4 direction areas are. So Article 4 directions are uh, directions <laughs> the council's put in place that remove some permitted development rights. And some of those particularly are applied to HMOs. So you have to effectively submit planning applications in order to create an HMO from a non-HMO property. So that's a very quick summary. We've talked about them in the past in some other episodes, and I'll try and try and link to those in show notes. So why has this been an issue for you? Because you you do invest very deliberately in your key area in an Article 4 area. So why has this been, been a, a point of interest in your northern ex- explorations? I think it's it's a good question. And I think it, it's multifaceted in that in my area of choice, so in the southwest Plymouth, obviously I've been investing there several years, so I know the area very well. I know a number of different agents. I tend to hear about things, you know, when they're coming onto market, like I've like with the director vendor situation. And also when I see properties coming on, I can see if they're massively overpriced or if they're reasonably priced. I mean, the, the challenge for all of us now is that whatever prices we had in our head from a while ago is no longer true because everything has increased. The difference is obviously when you're coming to a, a brand new area, you don't have all of that knowledge, but but we are we have been gleaning that for the last couple of months. But it also means that when you really want to take what is a a standard residential property and convert it, there's a lot of questions that that you need to kind of answer first. Obviously, namely, you know, would this convert well into an HMO? And there's a typical type of building that I like to use as HMOs and, and they're nice looking Victorian buildings. They're not the sort of buildings as well that are coming up at the moment. You can imagine the nice looking buildings, they're the ones going quickly. And also, buildings that are available are in very residential streets. Now, if, if you think about taking on a, a new property in a, in a highly residential stroke family street, now, number one, that doesn't sit as comfortably with me as it would when I'm working in a heavily dense student working professional area. You know, it's just par for the course. So there's that kind of moral, ethical aspect to it which is a precursor to then thinking, well, okay, let's say we did go with this property and I am happy with it. How likely are we to get the planning approval on it? And and that's obviously a huge question mark for anyone moving into Article 4. Now, the reason I don't have that question mark so much in my own area is because I've got the data behind me that shows me where the most dense HMO areas are. So I know how likely I am. And I obviously know how the council works. When we're coming into a new area, all of that information needs to be to be gleaned from from the local council, and typically you only get that once you've got something that you want to work with. So it's a bit of a catch twenty two because you know I've obviously spoken with the councils. The other big challenge in in Manchester actually is as again another little addendum on this is that the, the number of different councils you've got Manchester, Oldham, several different councils that run different postcode postal code areas most of them now article four but a few not a few projecting to so there's that my way of working with it here would be working with a planning consultant as and when ready if we were going to find a brand new uh, a residential home because they would have that information to hand so the information that i have in my 
own investment area, a planning consultant would have worked with and said, well, actually, this house is it's either more likely or less likely to be approved because of these factors, then we get that information. Again, it, mean, it means you need to cross someone's palm with a few silver coins, but it just gets your knowledge up a bit quicker. So that, that's the challenge, unless, of course, you then buy an existing HMO, which, of course, is what we're looking at. But as mentioned already, most areas now for Article 4, wherever in the UK, you'll pay a premium on that uh, property because it's already an HMO. So there'll be an addition there. Then people may price it based on yield as well. So a Brixham, so what you might be able to buy in Brixham Mortar for 150000 they'll sell as an HMO for 200000 because that's based on the fact that it's already got a rental income or had a rental income. It's already got article, uh, already got planning permission, an HMO license, etc. So hopefully not too long-winded, but in a summary, they're, they're the challenges we face when sort of looking at new areas to invest in. Yeah, so you've got you've got extra uncertainties basically you're un- unsure how the council will actually react to to things and react to requests until you actually try them and at that point it might be a bit late so but the safer bet is to go pre-made but but then pay a premium for pre-made so yes yeah, di- difficult decisions and i suppose lots of different things to to weigh up and and to try and choose the the best approach forwards yeah if you'd like to Get in touch with us. Talk about anything we've raised this this week. Please do reach out to us on Twitter. We are at biz of property, or you can find show notes and a contact form on thebusinessofproperty.com. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye.